Welcome to BizBytes, brought to you by Com Together, helping businesses like yours build their brand through telling amazing stories to engage and grow audiences on multiple platforms. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of BizBytes. Uh, my guest today comes from the United States. And uh, we've only recently been introduced to one another, but she has a fascinating background and uh, a really interesting line of work that she's in, something that I'm particularly interested in as well, because it's something we're also doing a little bit of here in Australia and looking to diversify as well. So I'm without further ado, let me introduce Lisa and let her tell you a little bit more about herself. Absolutely. I am Lisa L. Levy. I'm the founder of a company, consulting company, L Cubed Consulting, and I am the preferred disruption and innovation catalyst. And that's a role that I play as a speaker, as a business advisor, when I'm working with my clients, helping them break out of the way we've always done things so that they can make a positive impact in their business. My journey started about 14 years ago. I was in a startup that was taking off like a rocket ship. It was supposed to be my dream job. I was building a project management team, helping this company position itself so that they could grow and scale. And I hated every minute of every day until I finally had it up to here and said, there's got to be a better way. And I looked around at what was happening at all of the C-level executives, their teams of consultants that were building silos and reinforcing the walls between the silos so that each C-level executive felt like they were the king. And I used the word king specifically, king of their castle. And I just had it. I had a fully adult temper tantrum in my own mind and said, I can build something better. And that's how my journey started. And today, what it's affording me to do is work with larger middle market companies in the consulting space. But more importantly, it's helping me work with founders who have built a business to a point of success where they can no longer run the day-to-day -day operations and they need to build a team of leaders who are self-reliant and business capable to make that business grow and scale so that founder, that visionary can stay focused on the future, whether that's continuing to grow that business, build the next one, or enjoy a holiday on the beach. Holiday on the beach sounds good, doesn't it? It's, it does. And it, it, because it is amazing how often uh, when you are uh, really wrapped up in a business, that that can become quite a difficult thing to do. Uh, it, it sounds like a little mm -hmm. thing, but it can be a big thing. Um, and uh, you know, having that team around you is is huge in order to be able to distance yourself for a period of time, and and, and in effect, try and see how the business functions without you. For me, in the work with the founders, one of the most critical key success criteria or key performance indicators that we play with is unlike anything that anybody else uses. And the measure is, can you be away from the business for 30 days, for 60 days, for 90 days, and be confident that that business is going to continue to operate the way it's supposed to? And if that means growing and scaling, that means growing and scaling. Yeah, it's um, it, it, 
And and I think that's a scary thing for a lot of people because there are different points in a scaling process where there are pain points, right? And uh, it's not just a matter of, oh, just hire another one or put two people because I can afford to do it. It's it's a little bit more complicated than that. And I think, and, and coming into that as well is uh, systemizing things and uh, even extending, I know from my point of view, systemizing the marketing and making sure that the next person knows what to do and how to do it. And that seems like a little task, but it's actually not. And uh, making sure that that functions properly is important. It's a huge task, right? The whole alignment of of a successful business, right, is ensuring that you have the right people doing the right work and then enabling it with technology. I talk about it as as a math equation. People plus process times technology equals growth and scale. And in the middle of all of that, that process piece is it's it's paramount because if you can't do repeatable work, if you, Anthony, and me, Lisa, are in the same role and we do the jobs differently and one of us goes on vacation or wins a million, $10 million and we never come back to work, somebody has to step into our shoes and do the work the same way we were doing it, if not better. And we can only do that if we have processes that are first understood, second documented, and three, they're continuously improved over time. Yeah, and I think that takes to another area as well because there's one thing, uh, take a little bit of a holiday, no matter how long that is, but it's another thing when you're looking to get out of that business, isn't it? It's, it's um, that's, I, I, I've found um, in looking into this area quite a bit in recent times is that too often businesses uh, revolve around a particular individual and that individual is the one that is usually the one selling the business and then they want a fortune for it and but if you you've got nothing documented around there no one to step in then it does the business exist to an extent that it's worth buying well and the the answer is most likely no right if the owner founder is the person who is most critical to that business operating day in and day out. It's not a sellable asset. It's they've they've given themselves a job. They're trading their time for money on a regular and ongoing basis. And the value is in them and their time and not the business itself. And so being able to take that right, I play with the 30, 60, 90 day kind of holiday mindset, but the next step from that is stepping away and having an exit strategy that ensures that the business functions without them. So that that up to that 90 days, right, is the the prototype and the test. And when you can prove that out, that, that it requires that you have the right people doing the right work and that you're leveraging technology well, then you have a sellable asset. Mm. And, and I think what's interesting about that as well is that the focus that I've seen a, a lot here in Australia, and I'm not sure if it's the same in the US, that uh, when it comes to this sort of situation, that the focus has been very much around getting the financials, getting the operations and the general systems in place, which is fine and absolutely need to do that. But it's interesting to me that, of course, the business doesn't exist if there isn't marketing and sales. So you can have all of the operations and financials working perfectly, but if you've got no marketing and sales, then the business doesn't exist either. And it's a big area that I think is not being looked at um, as much, particularly when it comes to that idea of selling the business. 
And I think that you know there is a huge challenge around that, right? What is the existing book of business? Where is that current revenue coming from? And there's a question that will come up is that business, is that book of business going to continue after the sell, the sale, or is it tied to the existing owner and level of confidence? Will that will that walk away? And without a marketing and sales process that's delivering consistent new business, again, you're going to undervalue what the 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 business could be by having everything tied and linked to that one individual. There's a wonderful word that is uh been slightly hijacked and not in a bad way, but by uh, sort of the green movement and it's the word sustainability. And I I think that um, sustainability, particularly when it comes to business and marketing inside the business from my point of view, is uh, such an important asset. And sustainability means also saving time, being consistent in quality, being able to continuously deliver and I think that is a such an important idea that particularly when you're coming to exit a business and all assets and all assets and aspects of the business, uh, it needs to have some level of sustainability around it because otherwise, as you say, it is tied to the business owner and um, he goes or she goes and the business goes. Yeah, it's true. And I agree that that, that word sustainability has been hijacked. Another way of looking at it, right, is stickiness, right? Do we have stickiness with our customers? Do we have stickiness with our sales, with our marketing? Does what we do resonate beyond who we're impacting today? And that ultimately becomes it becomes sustainability in the in the business place. And it's critical to success. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and 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 I think that's the uh other big thing here is is that definition of what success looks like. Sometimes, um, you know, we can over-exaggerate our value and, um, you know, we can be running a business and I've seen it, people running businesses for many years and being successful in their terms. And they've they've made a, a, a nice income, but when it comes to s- selling it, that whole idea of what the value is worth is such a difficult area mm-hmm. because it's it's quite confronting because more often than not, the value that people place on it themselves is not the value that others will place on it. That's it's very true. Um, my extended family has been in the trucking and logistics business since the 1940s. And it is a family-owned, family-led business, right? Semi-trucks pick up cargo in one location and they move it to another. And my great-grandfather started the business. My grandmother ran the business. Currently, my aunt is running that and wanting to retire. And I have a cousin who is totally not capable of running the business. So for the first time in generations, we're looking at selling. And what does that mean? Mm. And it is a healthy business. It is a good, you know, local small business, serves a regional market, again, has been there for 80 some years. But the way that the contracts are written with the clients, with their customers, it's very much tied to their trust in my aunt and her ability to have her team deliver. And when valuation came around and they were looking at the contractual language and the, the potential out that the clients have, the valuation of that business was about half of what it should be. 
if they had taken the right steps to ensure that it was not tied to an individual, right? That key man or, you know, key woman in this place. But it's a really painful lesson in terms of legacy and wealth building that what we thought was possible is looking more like this. And it was a lack of oversight over decades with how contracts were designed and written. And it was a huge miss on so many people's parts. Yeah, it's uh, sometimes um, we take a short-term view and not for yeah. the wrong reasons, but we we do it with because it seems like the right thing to do at the time. But the longer-term implications of some of these things are, are huge. Um, you know, it's, it's just a matter of, um, I guess, looking at those things in the in a way, I think the danger is, I imagine in a situation like that, is if you were to go to all of those clients and with a new contract that, well, first of all, they're going to get pretty suspicious as to what's going on. Um, and there's probably, a, a, a therefore, a lack of willingness to sign something like that because no matter how much they might reassure them at that point in time, it's going to be in the back of their mind that, hang on, the only reason they could be doing this is because they're going to be selling and we don't want to be part of some other big business We've loved the small right. business that we've dealt with. Absolutely. And so, right, it comes down to a series of, of you know, of choices. Do you, do you accept that the valuation is what the valuation is going to be and it's not based on the actual revenue that's potential with this client base? Do you wait for contract renewal and naturally do some modifications to a contract to not raise suspicion, but potentially delay the sale? And who knows with, you know, the economy what that would look like a year from now or 18 months from now as these things would change. And so, yeah, there's, there's a lot of thought going into, you know, what's the right course of action. And if we had only, I guess part of the problem with a long-term family owned business is you don't dig into the details the way that I would with say my clients, right. I've never, I've never seen these contracts until this all came up and I was like, Oh yeah, that's a problem. Um, and, you know, so note to family-owned businesses, right? Having an outside third party occasionally take a look at how you do things and why you do things is a way to protect your long-term best interest. But yeah, there's some some definite choices that, that, that will be made soon. Yes, and I think that's, uh, it, it's really good advice because I think we all get too close to our own businesses as well. Um, you know, I've... Um, uh, I've got a meeting uh, tomorrow with someone who I'm doing a, bit, a little bit of work with who's more than capable of doing the work that I'm going to do with her, but she's so close to it that doing it on herself is actually incredibly difficult. And uh, I think that's a, it's an important lesson when it comes to all of this. We can We can run our businesses and know them inside out and assume that it's all okay, but it takes someone else coming in and having a hard look at it to bring that reality to bear. And, and it has long-term implications if you don't get it right. One of the best things that I've experienced though, are those opportunities where we come in and we take a look. And often there's a lot of really good things happening, right? And to be able to, again, from that objective outside third-party view, be able to celebrate individual contributions, people who have stepped outside of their role and gone above and beyond to keep things happening, right? And have made the heroic lifts and figuring out how to prevent them needing to be heroic long-term and make that more operationally normal. 
those are great things to celebrate that sometimes are missed internally because as you know, the cliche goes, you can't see the forest for the trees. Mm. And so that, that third party objective viewpoint gives you a, you know, a look into the things that you have blind, the blind spots, right. That you're just missing because you are so close, the good and the bad and the, you know, where those opportunities are. And that's, you know, part of what's so much fun about doing the things that I do for my clients. Yeah. And I think that's the important thing, isn't it? Having, having fun when you're doing it. And I clearly you are having fun with, with doing it because, uh, um, I know that, uh, well, looking at people can't see because we're, we're on a podcast, of course, but there's some books behind you. Do you want to tell me a little bit about the books, uh, that is, that are sitting, uh, sitting right there? Absolutely. So I have authored a book by myself. I have one book that is mine, Future Proofing Cubed. And that takes us through the adaptive transformation framework, which is how I run the business. So the secrets to how we use project management and process performance management and organizational change management to do all of the things that we've been talking about today. I've had the honor and privilege to contribute to two other number one best-selling books as well, The Gift of the Universe Through Women Who Lead and Lady Diversity Power. So the two anthologies were really an opportunity to get a collection of female leaders to share a story about a point in time in their career. And both collections are very impactful and very powerful. All three books are available on Amazon. Lovely to be a part of those things. It's there's a lot of effort that goes into uh, producing producing a book. And uh, it's... And it's great to be part. Of this. I think it's it's lovely to have your own, but also to be part of something that's also celebrating, um, um, you know, women in business and that diversity. I think that's a a huge um, area that um, you know it's 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 nice to be a part of and to see that this is something that's being celebrated in a in a nice way. Yes, thank you. Um, I wanted to uh, have a little bit of a chat as well about your um, background a little bit further, because clearly, as you've alluded to, you've got a family of entrepreneurs. So you've got you've got a business here. So is that how it kind of began for you? Is it was that entrepreneurship something that uh, was sort of part of your upbringing? You know, with mum and dad and and everything else. So entrepreneurship around my family, very real. So I've told you about my grandmother and my aunt and that side of the family. My father is a real estate developer. He's now retired. And one of the things that I saw as a kid growing up are big ups and big downs. When business was good, everything was glorious. And when business wasn't, things were a little bit different and a little bit more difficult. And I entered my career solely on the mindset that I didn't want that. I wanted to build a role in a corporate environment. I wanted paid time off. I wanted sick pay. I wanted a retirement. I wanted all of a pension, a 401k, a whatever, you know, all of those things that I had been told would provide safety and consistency. And, and like I said, I got to the point where I had everything that I thought I wanted and I hated every minute of it because it isn't safe and it isn't secure. And nothing is guaranteed. And when I, again, in a fit of a grown-up temper tantrum, decided to step away from that role, I realized that I had just given myself true freedom. I have the opportunity to choose who my clients are. I have the ability to fire them if they behave poorly. And that was the hardest thing I did for the first time I did it. 
I was working with a, a, it was a government agency and the, the director leader of that group was a horrible human being and treated everybody very poorly and had built a whole realm of sort of contract labor in, in the space because he had this mindset that rules then didn't apply and they would just do everything that they had to do, they were told to do so that they could get their billable hours and get paid. Well, many of the things he was doing were actually illegal and using that labor inappropriately and having them work hours and not bill for them and all sorts of things. And I said, I'm sorry, this is untenable and I will not continue to work in this space, nor will I leave my resources, my team members in this space. We are holistically leaving effective immediately. And I was taking my earnings that, you know, two or three other people who were on the engagement with me. And I said, you guys, I just cannot have you in this, in this environment. It's not, it's not good. It's not right. It's not healthy. And I have the ability to say this, you know, are, are you comfortable? And they were all more than happy to take a little bit of uncertainty while we figured out what the next thing was, because the next thing was going to be better. And it was going to be in a place where they were valued and that their contribution to the environment was valued and not just treated as a commodity. Yeah, I think it's such a, um, an important thing, isn't it? I, mean, I think sometimes what people reduce themselves to, if that's the right term, in, a, in an environment for, for any number of reasons, they're, they're stuck there with their career, they're, you know, there's the the insecurity of having to leave a job and and find something better or not really sure of whether there is something better whether this is the norm uh those things are incredibly difficult and, and incredibly impactful and and that's a huge thing to do and to kind of um to walk in and and take them with you um you know as 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 that happens so how did that how did that play out so it was terrifying and we walked away and it took about 30 days to reposition and, and find different things for everybody. I, we, we didn't all go back to one client together. I had people go to, we, we, we landed more business, right? I was able to send people to different clients. But what was really interesting, we, we were fine and we landed, but I started something at that agency and we were the first of many that finally had enough. And there was a catalyst to what became an exodus of people saying, this is not okay. And, um, and it is not okay to treat people this way. And there was a large number of people who followed our example and moved on to other things. That was 12 years ago. And of those people, some of the members of my team have retired from, from working because they're fortunate enough to be at that stage of their life. But of the people that I knew in that space, I'm still interacting and working with probably 10 of them that we met in that space. And it was such a raw experience that that created some interesting and unexpected bonds and partnerships that have, have stood the test of time. Now I, I should apologize in the background if people can hear it. The uh, My dog is, is decided to bark quite a bit in the background. So um, but anyway, we'll keep we'll keep pushing on regardless. Um, 
I'm I'm interested as well that uh, when you and I spoke previously and you were talking about a newer area that you're diversifying into, tell me a little bit about that space that you'll go that you're trying to spend a little bit more time in, and and, and why I think is the is the question. Okay. So for people who have heard me speak before, if you're following me, you know that healthcare is an industry that's very important to me. I've had my I've hosted a podcast all focused on being disruptive in the healthcare space. And in that, because in the United States in particular, which is what I know, it's an area that needs innovation. It's an area that needs to be disrupted. And what types of businesses are doing that are biotech, biosciences, health tech, there are all of these really cool companies that are emerging, trying to make a difference and improve quality of life, improve the patient experience and to make our our population healthier. And many of those businesses are founded by clinicians and engineers and individuals who have brilliant ideas and no experience running a business. So all of the things that Anthony and I have been talking about, I've packaged into a way of serving that population, those founders who need to build their leadership teams to be self-reliant and grow and scale that business, Um, an opportunity for individual leaders who are growing into that space to be better leaders through a coaching program, and really serving that market because the need for what they're doing is so huge. Mm. That I'm really trying to focus in on that and make an impact to make them more successful. Yeah, and I think it's it's such a a beautiful area to be in because the impact that they can make is so huge, and uh, often mm. those businesses can be swallowed up by some of the larger ones, um, and and not necessarily because they get bought out, but just because the the larger ones attract so much attention that they feel as though they're not getting the the airspace that perhaps they deserve. And, uh, you know, having that and building those businesses into uh, something that can be much larger and much sca- and much more scalable um, is such a mm-hmm. um, an important thing to be doing. And obviously, um, you know, I keep looking back in the corner of behind you and seeing future proofing all the time and uh, and thinking, you know, that's that's it, it's a big it's a big area to be in. And we, I think, I think quite often we think of that space as, as, and we just think of it as the big companies that are there that we all sort of know that are in those areas. But the truth is, is that there's many, many, many smaller businesses that are in dire need of extra support to get those amazing things that they're doing out to more people. Absolutely. And in that space, there's a tremendous amount of regulation that you have to potentially deal with, depending on if it's a product, if it's a pharmaceutical, if it's a device that is in some way, shape or form implanted in the body, right? There is a tremendous amount of governance over how those things go to the market and a lot of, well, bureaucracy to navigate, to figure out how to make all of that happen and follow all of the rules from all of the government agencies to make it um, legit. So it's an area where, you know, help is always, I think, needed and not always understood where to go to get it. Now, uh, I know we could talk for a lot longer and we, we, uh, we've we already talked for quite a while uh, previously. So um, I'm, I'm looking forward to continuing this into the future, but I wanted to ask you a final question to wrap things up here. Um, tell me 
what is that kind of a hut moment that people have when they start working with you that in many senses you wish other people would know more about so they'll come running to your door more a little bit earlier? Oh, I, I think it's an aha journey. So the first, I think the first impactful moment that matters is I'm not in this alone. There's somebody here with me that I can share all of those things that keep me up at night, the things that go bump in the night that I would never tell my team about. There are people around me, but there's somebody who can help me figure out what all of those are. And then that I think that matures into the next moment that matters, which is really around finally fixing the things that cause pain, the processes that break every six months because we revert to the way we've always done it and we never make the changes stick and we never really see the efficiency gains because we backslide and having the ability to really move things forward on purpose with purpose. And I think the final one is really when we get that first measure of the, I can step away for 30 days and know that everything is going to be okay. And then the idea of 60 days of 90 days of a potential actual exit, whether that's a a merger, an acquisition, a just flat out sell, whatever it is. But there are several moments on that journey that I want to navigate with my clients that each one is just a little bit bigger. The smile is a little bit bigger. The sense of freedom, the ability to sleep at night is so much better because the stress of that fear of failure is gone. Because we are, we're learning how to tackle problems, make decisions, do what we think is right in the moment, learn from it, apply what we've learned, redirect, um, ditch things that don't work because sometimes that's a reality, but we've learned from it. So the next thing we do is a little bit more informed. I love that. And, uh, you know, more people should, should hear about your, uh, your work. I think they can, we're going to include in the show notes, of course, all the uh, information on how to get in touch with Lisa, but also uh, where to get the book and start a little bit of that journey. Uh, Lisa, thank you for being an amazing guest on on BizBytes. And uh, we're definitely going to have you back at some stage in the very near future. Thank you for the opportunity. And everyone, stay tuned for the next episode of BizBytes. BizBytes is brought to you by ComTogether for all your marketing needs so you can build your brand, engage audiences on multiple platforms. Go to comtogether.com.au, follow the links to book an appointment for a free consultation.